Welcome to our Ed Talks podcast. I'm Father Dominic. And I am Paul Manerick. And we are hoping to inspire some saints who will inspire more saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Paul, it is ordinary time now. It is ordinary time, and I have my ordinary tie. Time. It doesn't look all that ordinary. It's not. Well, you know what? It's a handsome tie. Uh, I didn't pick it out. That's like, isn't it the it. man that makes the tires or the tie that makes the man? It's uh, no. It's my friend who's a very he's a very dapper man, and he decided he was a former colleague of mine. He gave me this as a Christmas present last year, oh, and it's nice. got green in it for ordinary time. Uh, there we go. So I've, I decided to wear green in my tie. Beautiful. Yeah, not the red. Not the red plaid. The red flannel now. But I'm still holding on to my red. Well, it's, I, it's all you have. You got red and black. I got a lot of red, red and black. And you know what? The black is slimming, and the red shows off our great school. Amen. It's all good. Big red. If I cough, I don't have the Rona. I did not test positive. I it's a residual cough from something I got after Christmas, but I'm not. I'm good. I, don't worry. I'm just. I'm just here. You did get sick. I did get sick. But I you had stayed home like you were supposed to. I, I mean, I. I went around licking, <laughs> licking mailboxes, strangers, <laughs> licking mailboxes. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I did. So I apologize if I cough. Don't be nervous. But we're going to talk about the bread of eternal life, the bread of the angels, Panis Angelicus. Yes, the Eucharist. Continuing our our series here on the seven sacraments, we've already done baptism and confirmation. Now we're going to talk about the third sacrament of initiation and final. Uh, the Holy Eucharist. An awesome, awesome gift from God. So, Paul, I mean, everyone safely assumes I have a Eucharistic devotion since I'm a priest, and the celebration of the Eucharist is very central to my life and ministry. It's what I've been ordained to do. So I'll ask you as a layman, what is it that keeps drawing you back to the Eucharist time and time again? Yeah, I think that the grace that's present it's not always tangible. I mean, there you read about the saints who have like dark nights of the soul and things like that, and I'm no saint, but so often in my life, there's that tangible presence of God's grace when I'm there before the Blessed Sacrament, be it during Mass, during the consecration, be it in the immediate aftermath of reception of the Eucharist, be it in adoration, Eucharistic adoration, or even just being in church with the tabernacle. Um, ever since I was in high school, my high school really emphasized adoration, gave us a lot of opportunities, and um, had some really profound moments of connection with God there in high school, and that's carried through my life. Um, and I, I love it. I love that quiet conversation that happens with the physical presence of God it's, it's inspiring and humbling, and I cannot recommend it enough. Because there is a difference, right, between uh, obviously being in, in the presence of someone and not being in their presence. And I think that's definitely something we can all relate to throughout this pandemic. There's a huge difference from a Zoom call or FaceTiming with your family versus being in their real presence. And especially for you, since being in your family's real presence usually involves pools and sun and palm trees. And palm trees. It's beautiful. And maybe it's such a, a 
It's such a, a, a cross to have to go out to Las Vegas to visit. The beautiful, sweet I sound guess. of a slot machine. And since it's Sin City, it's uh, <laughs> it's a work trip, uh, so I can make it a tax deduction. I didn't realize. Yeah, you can just write it off. <laughs> I'm yeah. going there to bring salvation that's to amazing. Sin City. Wow. That's I had to get a, a little write-off of my travel expenses. you got a good gig. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not easy being me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, though, but that's it, right? Like We know the difference between being in the presence of, right. of your for people of our age, right? Being with our parents versus You are a little older than me though, but I <laughs> Okay. People they're old like me and even young like you father have to use those those uh those wacky do things to talk to people on <laughs> the interwebs. Yeah. The interwebs. Uh yeah, so in the all of the generations that are represented <laughs> by this podcast <laughs> we we know that like going to see our families. My family lives in Virginia. Your family lives in, in Nevada. Like it's a tremendously different experience being in their presence versus a Zoom call. Right. And even you know, yes, now as a priest, the Eucharist is very central to my life and, and to my prayer. Um, but even before I was ordained a priest, before I entered the seminary, there there was always a difference that I I felt and that I was very aware of. Uh, even as a high schooler and in junior high, as I was you know, praying, you know, I would pray at home. I would pray in school and high school. I was very active in, in my faith and youth group and campus ministry in my high school. And and I so I, I knew how to pray and I prayed, you know, often enough. Um, I was by no means a, a an angel, um, but when I would pray at home or at school, there was always a difference between that. And going to my parish church and being in front of the tabernacle and praying. Even even in youth group, when our youth minister, who I still look up to, is a very holy woman. And, and our parish priest, our pastor that was involved in our youth group. When we would pray in our youth group room or on retreat, there was still a difference that I felt between praying in those places and being in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Either in, in the tabernacle or an adoration looking at our Lord face-to-face in the monstrance. Um, and that, that difference, uh, and I, I wouldn't, <laughs> excuse me, I don't think I would be able to, to quite phrase it as being in his presence as the difference. I knew there was a difference that I felt. And it was that, gr- that, that grace that just comes from being with the person, just as you know, we're saying there's a difference between being in Virginia with your parents or when they come to your house here in Chicago or when I'm with my parents Physically, it's it's a different experience and a different way of expressing our love for each other than via you know FaceTime or or just talking to them on the phone. Right. I mean, I think I think about like all of these you know these e dating apps and stuff like that. It's all built to lead up to right. Like you're hungry. You're like, okay, oh, I think this is the one. Yeah, I'm looks. It's all about getting to an actual place where you're physically having dinner together, right? Or you're right. going to see a, th- a show at the theater together. Like it's that physical relationship, it being in the person's presence that is transformative and it's so much more meaningful. It's easier to communicate. Maybe you get there and you're like, ooh, wow, this is not the person I thought I was going to be going on a date with. Right. And you would never know if you never had that physical date, right? It's the same thing. With our kids in school, I like God bless St. Ed's for being open and allowing these kids Every day. to form these actual physical bonds with each other. It's just a it's a totally different ball game as a teacher, 
I felt that. And all the teachers that I taught, like anytime you talk to about Zoom classes and stuff, better than nothing, mm-hmm. but vastly inferior to being physically present together in a classroom. Amen. So, and that's the, that's the beauty of the Eucharist. Is that so, physicality. on this pod, <laughs> excuse me, on this podcast, we have to get a little theological mm-hmm. and talk about how how it works that bread and wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, and what how that works that when I'm in a church in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that like, what do you mean I'm looking at Jesus or I'm in God's actual presence? Right, yeah. So we have to, and, and since you love being a Thomist, and this is the one area that Thomas got it right. One um, area? You know, <laughs> one area, one area. Got the Immaculate Conception wrong. Yeah, this um, is true, this is true. But one area he got right. Uh, we'll throw him a bone. I would say this is one area he got right, not the one area well, he got right. Eh, tomato, tomato. Um, your name I sound is, like a Thomas now. Your name is Dominic. Hey, yeah. Dominic's great. We love Dominic. <laughs> Aquinas is the ultimate Aquinas Dominican. is good, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so tell us about transubstantiation. Yeah, very very fancy word, transubstantiation. Um, can we spell it? I can. All right, I'm going to go for it. Try I, it. I, I really failed. Our, I, our, do our, I have? I, well, actually, right. I, I can. Check, check. I'm going to check it. T-R-A-N-S-U-B-S-T-A-N-T-I-T-I-O-N? Yeah. Boom. You're good. L-M-N-O-P. How many letters is that? That's like 17 or something. It's transubstantiation. 15, 16, yeah. Wow, 15, 16. I like... I'm not a math guy. How, what do you mean? And I just quickly 15, just 16. Read <laughs> you know, well, you know, and it's then not like, like 136. We'll, see, well, then I have to do the T-I-O-N. That's All three, right, six, okay. nine. So according to Father Dominic, transubstantiation, 12, 15 or 16 letters. 17. Anyway. Who knows? <laughs> that wasn't even the first two. <laughs> it's a big this word. This is not what's important. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a big word. It's a big word, and it means that the substance. $10 word. It's a ten dollar <laughs> Catholic word, and it's a it's a word that all Catholics should know. Transubstantiation. It's at the, the the source and summit of our faith. Right is as Vatican II famously said, is the Eucharist, and the Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus via this process of transubstantiation. It, it's it's there where the substance of what we have in front of us has changed from being bread. It's it's lost its breadness and it's become Christ. It still looks like bread. The accidents remain, right? The accidents of the bread, the What's accidents of the wine. Accident? The accidents are the things. Is that like when I accidentally spilled my coffee onto you? That is an accident. That, that was on purpose. <laughs> that, that would be on purpose. That yeah. is not an accident. <laughs> I don't care what you tell your mom. That was not an accident. Um, so an accident in this case, in the, in the Thomistic, in the kind of scholastic sense, is what does not define a thing, but it's the uh, it's kind of the attributes of a thing that can change without altering its substance. So, for example, like your sweater, right? You've got a beautiful sweater. I do. It says St. Edward Faculty on it. It could say St. Edward Janitorial Staff. It could. It would still be a sweater. Still be a sweater. It could be blue. It would still be a sweater. Wouldn't be a red, big red sweater. So accidents, color, 
what it may have fleece. on it. The bags is fleece. But now if I take the arms off of it. It becomes a handsome sweater vest. Sweater vest. So the substance has changed. The substance has changed. It's no longer just a sweater. Right. Now it's a vest. It's lost its sweater sweaterness. Vest. Yes. Uh, and then if we cut it up into a bunch of little squares. Be a bunch of rags. So now the substance has changed again. Right. Yeah, just like with human beings. Are you any less human if you have one arm? No, no. Or one kidney? My humanness is untouched by, and by those it's things. It's equal dignity, right? Absolutely. So it doesn't matter if your skin color were to change. You're right. still a human being made in the image and likeness of God. Absolutely. Until you die. Right, someone with Down syndrome, someone without Down syndrome, equally, still a human beautifully being. human. Yes. Now the acts or the accidents don't matter, right? Right. But the substance is still there. Now, in the Eucharist, like you said, the substance changes, but the accidents remain the same. So the breadness leaves, the wineness leaves, replaced with Christ, but it still looks like bread, tastes like bread, looks like wine, tastes like wine. Of course, there have been many, many incredible Eucharistic miracles, which we're not going to get into, but check them out. You can look them up. They're, they're amazing. There's, they're, I, I wish I had the name of a book. There's a book. Maybe we can put it in the YouTube notes. There's a book on Eucharistic miracles. It's incredible. Well, there's a website created by Blessed Carlo Acuti. Wow. Um, in all languages around the world, of a, a categorized list of all the Eucharistic miracles. The first millennial. So if you Google the first saint. millennial saint, my generation, one of the youngins. <laughs> I'm not a millennial. Google Blessed Carlo Acuti <laughs> and his website. Uh, and he's a and he's a paisan. He's a, he's, that means Italian. Yes. For those who don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. And how does transubstantiation work? Well, it only... For those of us... Well, I, I know. I do it every day. Um, and I cannot. to our listeners. I cannot do it. No, um, cannot. The only way that transubstantiation works is when an ordained minister of Christ's church, which is the Catholic church... now the One al- holy Catholic apostolic church. Although there are other brothers and sisters within the Christian um, world that also have the like our Orthodox brothers and sisters, ordained Orthodox priests also have the same sacramental power invested in them through Christ to do what Christ commanded us to do. We'll talk about apostolic succession in our priesthood podcast. Oh, that's going to be a good one, yeah. man! Stay tuned, guys. This Ooh. is awesome stuff. Uh, <laughs> but but so so the words, the very specific words that Christ Himself said at the Last Supper, He instituted this beautiful gift of the Eucharist then. And he, he was preparing his disciples for it throughout scriptures and throughout the story. But he gave us the words, and those same words are said at every Mass. And it's only within the Mass and only with those exact precise words. Can over it, bread and wine. Over bread and wine. And Can't be Doritos and Diet Coke. It has to have, it, it has to have wheat as well. It yep. cannot be. So there's no such thing as a gluten-free host. There's no such thing as a gluten-free Sometimes host. Sometimes I get people that ask me for a gluten-free host. They can't use gluten-free hosts. We have low gluten hosts, right? which but, is like just enough wheat to be considered bread. And it has to be wine. It but can't be grape cannot, juice. That's right. It can't be grape juice. They're very specific. Like the, and, and it's, it's and awesome. So we have a special wine. We call it mustum for priests who suffer from alcoholism. It's a it's a wine that's just barely, it's just at the the alcohol percentage to be considered wine and not grape juice. Yeah. Because it has to be wine, it has to be bread. Any amount of wine and mm-hmm. any amount of bread is enough to be transubstantiated into the body and blood of Christ in the mass. 
So amazing stuff. It's cool. Very it's cool, cool stuff. And it's, it's stuff that is a, it's a stumbling block, right? For a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters who want, they see the beauty of the Catholic Church. They understand the rich tradition. They see the connection for 2,000 years, the coherent teachings of the church. And they say that is an authority that clearly was given grace by Christ himself. But I can't get over this idea that that's really Jesus. And it's, that's not the first time either. Because no. in the scriptures, which I know you have, no, I got the there are uh, many people that walked away from Christ uh, because this teaching was very hard and difficult. Yeah, John chapter 6. My Among my favorites of, uh, of our lectionary readings, we only get it uh, once every three years. We just had it this past summer. It's awesome. Uh, the Bread of Life Discourse. I love John 6. John 6, verses 22, and it goes all the way to verses 71 and it it happened right after of course like to set the stage jesus is there he's got crowds around him and these people are on fire these are his disciples these are not just people there are scattered in there there are the skeptics Mm -hmm. there are some of his his the people that wanted to thwart his mission but overwhelmingly this group of this huge crowd are people who are like this guy is the messiah he's the and they just saw him feed upwards of twenty thousand people with five loaves and two fish. Five thousand men, not counting the women and children. Right. And so they're they're like, This guy has got it. Yeah. And so Jesus he's got a choice. He's like you know, we hear all the time, right? We hear all the time, everyone's welcome. And that's true, right? Christ, that's central to his message is all are welcome. But it's not a welcome without an ask from Christ, right? He he welcomes, but then he says, Now here's what it means. It's like to no follow. shoot. No shoot, no shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Right. So after these people are there and they're they're ready to just follow him, they're, they crown him the Messiah. He he can say, okay, this is great. Like, let's throw a party, make me your king, your Messiah. This is awesome. But instead, he flips it. He gives them a very hard saying. He says. I am the bread of life. He's comparing himself to the manna in the desert. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And already, immediately then, the Jewish people, many of them, start murmuring about him. He said, I'm the bread of heaven. We know his dad. We know his mom. He's the son of Joseph. And then he's, Jesus says again, Amen, amen, I say to you. Whoever believes has eternal life. Your ancestors ate the man in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Again, he was very explicit now. He's getting increasingly explicit. And then it says, the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So from the beginning, from 2,000 years ago, people were already going like, this is gross. Mm -hmm. This is impossible. We're not going to, even if you did say we had to eat your flesh, look at all of us. We we couldn't all get a bite. You know, it's like impossible. After he just fed them with five loaves and two fish. Right. And he's like, no, 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 I don't don't buy it. And so does Jesus again say, all right, guys, this is a metaphor Let's walk it back. I'll explain. Just like he did with like the sower and the seeds. No, he says, he doubles down. For my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. He is getting increasingly explicit and graphic with what he's asking people to do. And he says, unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, 
Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And so then what happens? Many of his disciples, not the people that didn't like him anyway, but these are people that are following him, gave up everything that they had to go just walk around the desert and walk around Judea following this, this teacher. Many of his disciples who were listening said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? And again, Jesus says, does this shock you? <laughs> like he's so direct with them. And, and then he's said, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. And then, as a result of this, John says, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. This is the same Jesus who we always are hearing welcomes everybody. He doesn't stop them. Well, he doesn't tell anybody you can only come for this reason. He's telling them this is, this is the way it is, and they all freely choose to leave. He doesn't force anyone to follow him. Correct. But he, he said he invites everyone. And he says, in order to follow me, later on he also says, follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. So he's giving a lot of hard sayings. He never right? said it was going to be full of butterflies, hugs and kisses and rainbows. That's right. But here he says, and, and my favorite line in the whole discourse is after, after many of his disciples turn and left, he doesn't stop them. And explain them. Guys, it was a metaphor. He turns to his own, the inner 12, and he looks at them and he says, do you also want to leave? And of course, Simon Peter, the first pope, uh, responds with that beautiful line, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Um, that first, that's like the first amen to the amen. body of Christ. Right? Um, it's just a, an amazing moment in Christ's ministry that you can't ignore the right. fact that he lets people walk away over this, over the Eucharist. It's that important. It's that central. Amen. So for those of us who have chosen to stay, and even for those who are choosing to come back, what's some advice that you have uh, to share with those that want to get a little more out of either adoration or mass? Let's start with adoration. So someone that's coming back to adoration or wants to get into it, maybe in this new year, um, we have adoration every first Friday here at St. Ed's, all day in the church. Uh, what's some advice you'd give them coming to adoration and wanting to be among the few who have stayed with our Lord who has given us his body and blood to eat and drink? So um, adoration, I think the beautiful thing our church recognizes and emphasizes is the connection between the physical and the um metaphysical like the spiritual our soul and our body are intimately united and so i i'm a big believer in in letting our bodies lead our souls lead our minds to the truth and so the first thing to do is when whenever the the eucharist is exposed is to make it a, a send a message to your mind that this is different by using your body in a different way so the church traditionally asks people to genuflect on both knees so kneel down on both knees before you enter the pew in and and look at the look at the monstrance bow to Christ bow your head ask him to help you during this time you're going to spend with him so i think that's the first thing is just physically get yourself in a in a different space and then secondly come with a plan bring a bible um, bring if you have a specific reading that you want to focus on any kind of spiritual book a life of a saint absolutely and open it up. Right. Just you could John you could, six. 
John 6 is a great place to start. Um, And then just wrestle with it, right? And just say, God, I'm going to need you to call on the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and really work with you as you sit there and bask in the presence, the physical presence of Christ. Um, Really come with that plan. Because 15, 20 minutes, it doesn't sound like a long time, but if you're not used to it, it gets long. Yeah. And I would say the only thing I would add to that is to pray the rosary. I mean, you're you're with our Lord. Bring his mother in with you. And the rosary itself takes 15 minutes. So between the rosary and the spiritual reading that you brought in, um, you got a holy half hour there yeah. right out the gate. And the rosary will just help uh, help you to, to fall more in love with Christ and to allow his mother to just bring you closer to him. Um, and to allow your your heart to just receive more grace. The rosary is a powerful spiritual it weapon. It really is. It, 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 yeah, it's an awesome, awesome gift. Advice to make to get more out of mass. What do you got? I'd say again, I go back to that idea of the physical. Um, I think to to kind of like frame us. And the church asks that we all fast for one hour before receiving the Eucharist. So that's you know about what. 25 minutes before mass starts. That's what we're supposed to not eat anything for that. It wouldn't get you to do a whole hour before a mass but starts. But yeah, stretch it to an hour. And then if you get, you know, a little bit more and more comfortable, stretch it to, I'm not going to eat until after I get home from mass. Maybe yeah. have it make a cup of coffee in the morning and say, I'm going to, you're, you're actually creating hunger. And that hunger then translates mentally to, I am hungering for the Eucharist. I'm hungering Amen. for you, God. So I think that's an important thing. Also, the church always asks us to show a sign of reverence for the Eucharist when we approach um, the Eucharist to receive Christ at communion. Like a genuflection. Could be a genuflection. Or a bow. A bow of the head. Some, the something physical there that kind of lets your body know, okay, something important's about to happen. That, again, that signals to your brain, okay, I am showing reverence. And then I also think I'm a big believer in saying an act of contrition it could be as you're walking up it's a 30 second prayer but just call to mind that that your own failings and ask god hey i know i'm not worthy like that beautiful prayer we say right mm-hmm. i'm not worthy that you should enter, enter under, under my, my roof. roof but say the word of my soul shall be healed that's stretch that saying out and and just bring your sins to god and say forgive me you receiving the eucharist wipes away venial sin yes it does something a lot of catholics probably don't even know but um, so still gotta ask, go to confession though. You do, but <laughs> but it's like that that yeah. beautiful union of no, God. Right. And uh, so ask the only thing I would add to that that's I 100 percent agree. Do all the things that Paul just said. And my advice to get a little bit more out of Mass is to read the readings for Mass ahead of time before you come. It gives you something more to chew on. In case we have a lector that you're, you're you have a hard time listening to them and you get easily distracted. You already know what the readings are, and then if the priest has a boring homily, then you just tune us out. Not and then, you. Oh, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of listening to me gab on, um, then you already know the readings, so you just tune us out and focus on what you had heard and what you read beforehand and, and bring all of that into the Eucharistic prayer and into receiving the Eucharist and let that word or that message that the Lord put on your heart just continue to shape you and form you so that you're not the same person leaving the church that you were when you entered before Mass began. It's awesome. I love it. It's poetry too, right? Like what does John call describe Christ? He is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. The word made flesh. And now he is made present in the Eucharist. So Amen. it's all about the word and the Eucharist working together. It's beautiful. 
Well, we <laughs> excuse me. We went a little over our time, but well, that's okay. I don't think that that's the accurate time because we had some oh. serious technical well, we issues. Did. We had a lot of technical issues tonight. Yeah. We did, but that's okay. Yeah. We I think we we did the Eucharist good homage. I like to think so. Um, I think we we, I I think the Lord is pleased. Yeah, we did. We, we made what it. It's all about. We yeah. made it. Gosh. We Cheers. Did. Hey, with my to yeti. our decaf tea and decaf coffee. This is a yeti hot dog right there. It's like <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh my. Our Lady of Good Help. Well, that I got from Champion, Wisconsin. That's nice. See, yeah. yours is more holy than mine. Mine's maybe more. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast. I'm Father Dominic. I'm Paul and Eric. And we're here to help inspire saints to inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Cheers. Mm-hmm.